Well, people of God in Christ, I am very thankful that when I was young and growing up, my parents made sure, I can boast in my parents a little bit, um, my parents made sure that we went to church each Lord's Day, usually twice, morning and evening. In addition, there were certain other days on which we went to church to worship God, including a day called Christmas and Another called Good Friday. And what about Easter? Yes, my family was in church on Easter too, but Easter comes on a Sunday anyhow. And another day that we recognize also comes every year on a Sunday, and that's the day of Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday, it was called. But there is yet another day. I'm wondering if you might be thinking of it. Another day on which we were in church. Uh, most of the time, uh, at least earlier on in my childhood when I was younger, and that day is Ascension Day. Because our Lord rose again from the dead on the first day of the week, and because we know that Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, Ascension Day always comes on a Thursday. Yes, just like Thanksgiving Day. Um, But otherwise, Ascension Day was too easy to forget, too likely to be made little of. Uh, There was no turkey to eat. Uh, There were no presents to open. Uh, There was no candy to expect. And so each year, the church, it would seem, put less and less emphasis on Ascension Day, there were, there were always fewer people in church anyhow, but each year there seemed to be fewer still until it just wasn't done anymore to recognize the day and to worship God on Ascension Day. Well, here we are today, a congregation of the Reformed Presbyterian Church, and, uh, and we don't observe the church year, as it's called, at least not to the same degree uh, of emphasis as other churches. We instead see in Scripture, uh, by what the apostles wrote to the churches, that, uh, that the Lord's Day is the one day specifically commanded for us to observe. And yet we have the same challenge with regard to the ascension of Christ. In fact, we have the added challenge of remembering to remember, of remembering to understand and and celebrate each event in the life and ministry of Jesus and to do so without special days. But the challenge we share with other churches is remembering the ascension of Christ. And the best way to remember the ascension of our Lord is by understanding how important it is, even how crucial and essential the ascension of Christ is for our salvation. We might want to say, well, I'm fine without it. Uh, Just give me the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. But the fabric, we might say, the fabric of our faith really does come unraveled without the ascension of our Lord. In fact, he really is not our Lord, and he cannot really save us unless he was born in our flesh, 
unless he lived a perfect life, unless he died an atoning death, unless he rose again from the dead in the body, and unless he has ascended to heaven to reign forever. To put it another way, the only way for us to have eternal life is for Christ to be reigning as our eternal king. Each of us will soon leave this world. We will one day die. But Christ has risen, and he has ascended, and he is reigning as our king for our salvation. So as we come to the final sermon in this series on Psalm 18, let's, let's consider the saving reign of Christ, and not just for the theology of it, but, but for our comfort in, in knowing, remembering, and believing that Jesus, our King, is truly reigning. He is reigning and ruling over the church. He is reigning and ruling over the entire world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. This is what is foreshadowed. This is what is prefigured. This is what is prophesied in the closing verses of Psalm 18. Consider first verse 49 where the psalmist writes, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. The word this, as David writes, for this I will praise you, O Lord, refers back to the deliverance, the rescue, and the exaltation that David had received from the Lord. For this, he writes, for this salvation and my exaltation by it, for this I will praise you, and he would praise God even among the nations. Here we see, as, as we do repeatedly in the Psalms, we, we see that praise is evangelism. So the first point is praise as evangelism, because it seems to me that, that uh, both praise and evangelism are often misunderstood in our day. The misunderstanding of praise shows up If we, we've talked about this, if we think that simply saying praise the Lord accomplishes the praise of God. We've covered it before, so suffice it to say that when you want to praise another person, you don't just say, I praise you, or you don't just call others to praise that person. Instead, you say to that person or you tell others around what that person has done to draw your praise of him or her. And so it must be in our praise of God as, as we praise him, we, we tell him of his greatness revealed by what he has done. Even more, we praise God by telling one another and by telling others who do not yet know what God has done. And that's where praise becomes evangelism. I would venture to say that, that on a certain level, praising God and evangelism are the same thing. Even as we are praising God, declaring his great works in Christ for our salvation, so we are witnessing to others by telling them the good news in order that they might hear and know and that they might repent and believe and be saved. 
And so can we not hear the words of Psalm of verse 49, even as the very words of Christ? Remember when David, uh, when God delivered David, when when God rescued David, when 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 God exalted David, we see a picture of Christ's own salvation. Again, like we asked uh, in an earlier sermon, can we really say that Jesus Himself was rescued, that He was delivered? And the answer is yes, because he was raised up from the dead and he was exalted even to heaven by his ascension. And so David's exaltation as king is a a picture of the exaltation of Jesus as king. You exalted me above those who rose against me, exclaims David in his praise of God. In Philippians 2, verses 8 and 9, says of Christ that because he humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So here's, here's an amazing truth that, that we don't stop and, and think about much. As Christ is prefigured in David. So as David says, for this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. So we can see that it's Christ himself who goes forth in our day to praise his Father among the nations. Someone might say, but but I thought it was the church that now goes forth to proclaim the gospel and to praise God among the nations. Well, yes, it is. But as we are the very body of Christ, as we, uh, uh, so we as the church are, are merely the instrument by which Christ himself preaches to the nations. It's not even enough to say, I think, that, uh, that we are joining with Christ as he goes now among the nations praising the Father. We are united to him as he does it so that he does it through us, his body, the church. And how then does this connect to the ascension of Christ? Because now we're talking about Christ still being on earth, still carrying out uh, ministry among the nations. Well, the answer is that it's only as Christ has ascended, it's only as Christ has returned to the Father that he has sent his Spirit his spirit to raise sinners who are dead in sin, as Paul teaches. And as Peter teaches, to build those resurrected sinners like living stones into the church. And why? To proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. May God grant this to us, that our praise of him might be rich and full each and every Lord's Day. May we praise God, not because we decided to, but because it wells up within us. We are saved, saved to the uttermost. Forgiveness is ours. We have gained the credit and merit of the perfect obedience of Jesus, our Savior. Hell is vanquished. The grave will not hold us long. 
and heaven as the fullness of the new creation wrought by Christ. Heaven is ours, even our eternal possession. And each Lord's Day, may we praise God to God. May we praise God to ourselves to launch ourselves into a, a week of living in the light of the gospel. May we praise God to one another within the church. But even more, may we praise God to all around us. And that means we, we need them to come here and to hear as we worship each Lord's Day. But it also means that we need to go to them. In our homes, for some of us, in our neighborhoods, for all of us, in our schools, in our workplaces. We need to go to them. To praise God is to evangelize, and to evangelize is to praise God, the one true God. To those who do not know yet, or to those who may know but have not yet responded in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ, our King. So here then is the second point, which we've already started, uh, a great salvation. Verse 50 says, great salvation he brings to his King and shows steadfast love to his anointed. And how great is our salvation? It means life and not death. It means even eternal life in the place of eternal death. In other words, it means heaven and not hell. It means purpose, pleasure, and hope, even now in this life. And it means the assurance of the riches and the glory of heaven. And again, God, uh, or, or may God grant that we might see it. Oh, that we might see it ever more clearly, that our eyes might be opened to the beauty of Christ, to the glory that awaits us. Ours is a great salvation greater even than that of David. When God delivered and rescued David, as, as God exalted David as, as a great king, the result was an unparalleled time of blessing in the, in the life and history of Israel. The nation was safe from invading ar armies <clears throat> because David had defeated, if not destroyed, them all. None were left to threaten and so there was surely a baby boom as the soldiers came home to their wives. Children had fathers and mothers to raise them. The economy began to flourish. It had to have been a great time to be alive. But was it eternal life? No, people still got sick. People still died. It was great. Because it came about by a great salvation, declared King David. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a kingdom that is even greater and far better. It's greater because our king is Jesus. Our king is David's greater son, as we say. It's greater because eternal life is ours. And what awaits us are the riches and the glory and the prosperity of a new heaven and a new earth. Once again, as we read verse 50, we, we must start with David. 
great salvation the Lord brings to his king. David is clearly talking about himself. But then he writes this, which connects it to Christ as well. And he shows steadfast love to his anointed. Is David talking about himself or about Christ? Both, actually, because the word anointed here is the Hebrew word Messiah, so that it might read in English like this, he shows steadfast love to his Messiah. Even more, the word Messiah, when translated into Greek, and then translated into English, is the word Christ. And so we might also read it in English like this, great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his Christ. It's not that David wasn't anointed as king, he was. It's recorded in uh, 1 Samuel 16. But he was not the anointed one. And he knew that God had promised his people an anointed one, the the chosen one of God, the Messiah. David even bowed his knee to the Messiah, even though the Messiah had not yet come, and even though the Messiah would be his son, his own offspring. Yet David bowed the knee to Christ. And David bowed the knee in his to his own son for the same reason you and I must bow the knee. Because that's what faith is. And it's only by faith in Christ that any sinner is saved. Whether Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, or, or any one of us. Are you saved? Asked the street evangelist. If not, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But, but how do we receive him? By bowing to him as king. Because there is a great salvation that we may have from Christ, (coughs) that we may have from Christ simply by bowing to Him and receiving from Him the salvation that His Father has bestowed upon Him. It's His salvation as He was raised up from death. But like David, Christ shares His salvation with His people. He brings us to live within His kingdom of blessing even now. The day will come when Satan will be cast out. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death, we are told. And in that day, may it come quickly, let it be soon. In that day, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things will have passed away. And so this last point, from the last verse, even the last line of Psalm 18, the saving reign of Christ. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. To David and his offspring forever. Once again, we, we must decide is, is David just being poetic? Is he exaggerating? 
Maybe he was just so caught up in the thrill of victory that he overspoke. We ran into this before in, in verse 43 where it says, You delivered me from the strife, uh, from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. That's quite a claim. Head of the nations. And we might struggle in the same way already in verse 49. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. As far as we know, David never left the promised land. How then would he praise the Lord among the nations? But now it's the word forever that the offspring of David will reign forever. Either David is exaggerating, he's just being poetic, or he again has in mind his own son. Even his one son, the Chosen One, the Messiah, the Christ. And this really is what is being told to us so clearly as we hear in Scripture of Jesus rising from the dead, never to die again. And as we hear of Jesus ascending into heaven, there not just to live forever, but to reign forever, And not just to reign over some portion, big or small, of this world, but to live and to reign and to rule over the whole world, over all nations. But the reign of Christ, even the forever reign of Christ, is also his reign over Satan. This is where our comfort is the greatest, when we know that the ruler of this world has been defeated and that he will be cast out in the end. It is true that Satan has never ruled within this world except under the reign of God. But now with Christ's saving work, now by way of Christ being delivered, rescued, and exalted, exactly as Christ has ascended and is now reigning and ruling over this world, now Satan is under Christ's authority. Again, Satan has always been under Christ's authority because Christ is God. But now Satan is under Christ's authority as Christ is man. And as Christ rules... Even from heaven. So he gives us the victory over sin, over death. He gives that victory to us as well. There are those who work for years as an employee, dreaming of the day when they might own their own business and work for themselves. And then the dream comes true. They are able to quit their job and start their own business only to find out that it's not what they thought it would be to work for themselves. Maybe they even return to their job and let others have the headache of being in charge. In the same way, children learn and grow and dream of the day when they can be on their own. But then we so often long, do we not, for those simpler days, the days of childhood, The days when someone else paid the bills. Someone else kept things clean and stable in life. Well, so it is with Christ as our ascended King. It's too easy to forget 
and neglect the ascension of Christ. Because there will always be a part of us that doesn't want Him reigning and ruling over us. But we are no good on our own. Because if Christ would be reigning and ruling over sin and death, then He must be reigning and ruling over us. We may want His salvation. We may want to be forgiven of our sin and counted righteous by the credit of His perfect obedience. We may want the promises of the gospel and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this life. But if we would have His salvation, then He must be King. And He must be our King. Which is to say, we must know who He is. We must know where He is. We must know what he is. He is the King, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And if so, if He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then He is reigning and ruling over you. And He is reigning and ruling over me. Regardless of whether we remember and celebrate a day of the year called Ascension Day, let us remember every day the Ascension of Christ. And let us remember every day that His salvation He shares with us. The kingdom of eternal blessing that He possesses, He bestows upon us. And God's Word says that to believe in Jesus is to be brought out of Satan's kingdom the kingdom of darkness and death, and it is to be brought into Christ's kingdom, the kingdom of light and of life. Here is the greatest point of comfort for the believer in Christ, that he has ascended. He was born, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he ascended to heaven and sat down upon his throne. He is our good and blessed king. And his reign as king is our salvation. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your birth, for your life, for your suffering and death, for your glorious and victorious resurrection. And we thank you for your ascension on high, that we might know you are King, King of kings and Lord of lords, and that by your reign and through your rule, we have salvation in you. Grant us to bow the knee to you, to live a life, of both faith and obedience, knowing that you love us, that you care for us, that you bless us in every way throughout our Christian lives. In your name, Lord Jesus, do we pray. Amen.